Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. What's up? How? <laughs> you like? Were you expecting me to say, "Hey"? <laughs> Something. <laughs> something like that i just sometimes i like to switch it up okay you keeping know? it fresh i i have a bit of a tickle in my throat because my my throat has been sore the past few days from allergies and it's not covid it's not COVID. we I, tested i did test it it is not but my my voice is a little bit deeper than it usually is so ladies <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome is what i'm saying so <laughs> but hey the pet stories were a hit I guess so. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, we weren't sure, but I mean, who would who would not want pet stories? No, I know. Truly, like, but you know. I mean, I love them, but I was just worried that the, the stories were too short, but they were not. No. And they were a hit. Absolutely. Tried something new. Yeah. We stepped know? out of our comfort zone, yep, kind of. That's what I was that, trying to say. I mean, we were in our comfort zone. I feel like pets yeah, are our you comfort know. zone. But that's okay. We, we went further into our wheelhouse. <laughs> Just not something we've done we're before. We're going absolutely crazy this week, and we're going further into our comfort wow. zone, guys. <laughs> we start talking about apartments.com. No, no, no. Do not expose me. Not today. <laughs> oh, that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. It's been Is a long it? day. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> You're right. Okay. So, um... I'm excited for this week's story. It's absolutely nutso. Oh, nutso. It's bonkers. Okay. Any, any word you want to fill in there for crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was researching a different story this week, and then I fell down a rabbit hole so far into this story that I was like, well, gotta do it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you got it's, no choice. I, I'm sorry, guys. I have to do it. So anyway, I'm excited. and. I don't know if I've told you much about it, but... Nothing. Nothing. I know, almost nothing. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about Sherry Papini. You told me her name. I did, because I knew you'd like the name. Fun last name. Papini. I know you'd yep, like it. Papini. Yeah. It's good. It's, it rolls off the tongue real nice. Yep. But... Sounds like a type of pasta. Oh, yeah. You know? I what feel could like Papini would be a good pasta. Sherry, type of wine. Oh, it's a right? whole dish. Right. Wow. A I bet... whole ass meal. She's a whole ass meal. We haven't even met her yet. <laughs> well, let's reserve those those Maybe, comments for the let end. Let me suspend judgment. Yeah, like, like she was a very strident neo-Nazi. Oh god! <laughs> like oh god. Well, not quite, but you know, you know, we'll see. And this this case is currently unraveling. In case you didn't know, it's absolutely insane. So one of my sources is actually from like literally hours ago so really this is definitely going to be a story that we're going to have to do an update on at some point because it's like it's breaking it's breaking it's happening right now like literally but i was too excited about it i couldn't not talk about it and by excited i mean shocked like it's just insane. shocked yeah okay so anyway have i built it up enough yeah Should it's we well researched in? too right yeah well thanks even though I don't it's know. uh <laughs> lots even of, though it's breaking lots like, of work yes yeah. definitely but anyway, let's let's get into these sources because we got quite a few. So we have a 2020 episode, love that. An article by the Daily Mail written by Ruth Stiles. A CNN article written by N Nicole Chavez. A YouTube video that's really great by Kendall Ray. 
a news.com.au article by Hannah Payne and an article from CBSLA staff. Staff. Yes, because there wasn't just one writer. It's the whole damn pie. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Should we talk about it? Talk about what? The story. The story. Okay, yes. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, yeah, let's talk about it. And then we're going <laughs> to... Okay, anyway, let's just do it. So, <laughs> Sherry Papini was born on June 11th, 1982. She was close with her family growing up and lived a fairly normal life. I'm sorry, am I boring you already? I'm yawning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to do an inner mouth yawn. Don't open it, but I didn't want to move my hand. It was a whole balancing act. Was, do you understand? I do. That's Okay. Should we just end it here? <laughs> yeah, we're done. This is a wrap on the fucking week. Goddamn. Um, okay. So, when Sherry was in the seventh grade, she met her future husband, Keith Papini. Sherry and Keith's relationship started in middle school when the two went on a few dates together. He was her first kiss, very wholesome, but they were so young and their relationship didn't last at the time because how could it? I mean, right. that's insane. Sherry actually ended up marrying another man in 2006 named David Dreyfus, but that relationship didn't last long either, and that's when Sherry started talking to Keith once again and actually moved in with him before her divorce had even been finalized. Whoa. So. She is like, get me the fuck out yeah, of this she, marriage. Yeah, she's like, I, that first kiss that I had with Keith, I haven't stopped thinking about it since. <laughs> Gotta, gotta get me back I in there. I stewed on it for over a decade. <laughs> and now that you're 23 and have facial hair. 23, damn. I don't know. How old was he? Uh, Not 23. I don't know, actually, how old he was. But uh, how old are people when they get married? I guess there's a big range. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting really sidetracked. How, how old are people when they get divorced once and remarried again? Right. What's, that, what's that age? Is that mid-30s? Something 30s? like that. Yeah, it's, let's say mid-30s. So the two were very happy to be reconnected, obviously. They've been thinking about this first kiss for decades. For a long time. And Pining. Yeah. Keith had shown Sherry that he had kept all of her little notes that she had written back in middle school. All right. That's creepy. That's cute. What? That's like a keepsake box. It's like, ah, oh, growing up, I have like my little league trophy and like the, Mm-mm. that's cute. Not... This is different. No, it's not. Okay. Let's say that he had a wife. Let's say that he current, didn't have currently. A wife. Oh, he didn't. No, Sherry oh. did. Okay. He was single and ready what to mingle. What the fuck was he doing? Singling. Okay. I, I was just saying, like me and you, I have notes from my middle school girlfriend that I have carried across the country with me twice. Well, that would be weird. But I mean, right? if, if they were just like in your childhood bedroom and it was just like memory lane, I'd be like, that's kind of funny. But if you carried them to California, I'd be like, yeah, that's weird as hell. Yeah, what are you doing? But I think, you're, I think you're writing a, a different story than Keith is actually living. So okay. don't, don't project. Don't project. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. We're getting way too sidetracked. We're like three sentences into the story. Hold it together. <laughs> this is code for shut the fuck up. <laughs> or something. <laughs> anyway, soon enough, the two got married in 2009 and they moved back into the house that Keith grew up in, his childhood home in Mountain Gate, California. That's cute. So they had a seemingly perfect relationship. So let's fast forward to 2016. The couple had two kids, Violet, who was two years old, and Tyler, who was four years old. And Keith, at the time, was working at Best Buy as an audio video specialist, and Sherry was a stay-at-home mom, and by all accounts, was a super mom. 
She loved her family. According to news outlets, everyone really liked Sherry. She was known for doing everything perfectly. Like, for example, she didn't just make a pie. She made the most gorgeous, perfect pie. Think, like, beautiful, blonde, like, skinny PTA mom of the year kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Pop off, Sherry. Yeah, so... I was like, how good is the pie, though? I mean, I'd have a slice. doing it up. Yeah, I bet. This is doing the most. She's got something to prove to those other PTA moms. You know what I'm saying? That she's the best. Exactly. they are all... Type A. Less valuable as human beings. (laughs) That's that's extreme, (laughs) but okay, sure. Like, is she that intense of a PTA mom? I don't know. I'm just saying she's very, like perfect everything i'm here for it and everyone's like ah yes sherry papini the perfect mother Mm. okay anyway so that fall sherry had decided to start running again in preparation for the annual turkey trot for thanksgiving their neighborhood was really nice and she enjoyed running in this wooded area with a trail about a mile away from her home so now let's go to november 2nd 2016 it started out as any normal day keith said goodbye to sherry and the kids gave them all a kiss, and headed off to work. Sherry dropped the kids off at daycare, and just before 10.37 a.m., she texted Keith to ask if he would be home for lunch. And he told her that he was having a pretty busy day, so he wouldn't be able to make it home that day for lunch. So at 11, Sherry took her pink running jacket and headed out for a run. Every day when Keith came home from work around 5 p.m., he would be greeted by Sherry and his two kids who would run into his arms and the family would have what he called their family snuggles. Aww. (laughs) And that day, when he pulled into the driveway, he saw that Sherry's car was there like normal, but when he opened the door, he was greeted by an eerie silence. He looked around the house and when he didn't find anyone, he thought, okay, maybe they're outside. But again, after looking around outside and finding nothing he decided to open the find my friends app on his iphone at this point he wasn't nervous and he figured they all had to be together but maybe sherry took the kids somewhere to run errands or on a walk something like that and when he opened the app it showed sherry's phone was about a mile away from their home where their mailbox is because it's kind of down their street their mailbox is like with a bunch of other mailboxes a mile away from their house So he figured they were all there just getting the mail for that day. So he jumped into his wife's car and drove down there to find them. But when he got to the mailboxes, nobody was there. So he called his mom to ask if she had talked to Sherry that day, and she said nope. So that's when he started getting a little worried, and he called up the kids' daycare center. When he gets on the line with one of the daycare people, he asks them what time Sherry came by to pick up the kids today. And she told Keith that Sherry had never picked up the kids and they were still there. So that's when red flags start going off because he starts walking around looking for Sherry and he finds her phone in the grass just off the road and a good amount of her blonde hair was tangled up in the headphones. He was completely in shock and started trying to come up with possible scenarios to explain what he was seeing. He thought maybe Sherry put her phone on the top of her car and then forgot about it and drove away. But that didn't make sense because he had her car and the kids were still at daycare and she was nowhere to be found. So he knew something was very wrong at that point. He took out his phone and he took two pictures of Sherry's phone in the grass before picking it up because at this point he knew it could be a potential crime scene. And by 5.51 p.m. he had called 911. 
He said when he made that call, he wanted to make sure that they knew that something was very wrong because a lot of times the police will say they can't do anything until 24 hours is up and she, I'm sure she's just, you know, running errands or something, you know, like they're not going to do much without actual hard evidence yeah. of like foul play or it's been like you know 48 hours or something like that which is kind of crazy in my opinion but that's just how it is a lot of the time but he managed to actually explain the severity of the situation and the dispatcher told him to go home and stay calm and the police would contact him shortly after calling 911 keith also contacted sherry's sister and told her what he believed had happened and after that the police came to his house and immediately started an investigation and search the arriving deputies canvassed the area witnesses reported last seeing sherry papini wearing a pink running jacket and jogging on sunrise drive one witness recalled seeing her at 11 a.m and another recalled seeing her at 2 p.m so at this point nobody knows where she is and she has seemingly vanished. This story spread very quickly, and Sherry's picture was all over the news. Her story got nationwide attention. And during this time, Keith was absolutely distraught. He was a complete mess. He went on the news to put out several public statements about his wife, and the entire time he was basically sobbing on every news outlet. He desperately begged the kidnappers to please return his wife safely multiple times, and this had the public on his side because usually it's, you know, the husband that did it, but he seemed genuinely like a mess. So everyone felt terrible for Keith. And pretty soon because of this, her story even made international headlines, which is huge because usually missing person cases stick to the general area that it's in. But this was a gigantic case all over the news. And not only that, but the search for Sherry was huge. Local, state, and federal authorities were involved in the search, and many people in the community donated their time to help in the search for Sherry, including Keith, who was on the ground searching right along with them, which was even harder for him because he knew at this point they were searching for a body. If they found something, it wouldn't be Sherry just sitting out in the woods waiting to be found. And even worse than that, one of the days they were searching, they saw a bunch of birds circling above a specific area. And when Keith saw this, he immediately broke down because it was very real in that moment that they were searching for his wife's body. But nothing came of that, although it was very scary to see. Because their two kids were so young, Violet being two and Tyler being four, they were obviously kept out of everything that was going on, and most of the time they stayed with their aunt or uncle so Keith could be out searching. But Tyler was old enough to know something was wrong, and Keith knew that he had to sit him down and tell him something was going on. And he said when he sat down with Tyler, he was, you know, obviously breaking down, and Tyler said, you can tell me anything, Dad. And he's, you know, a little four-year-old kid, and Keith immediately broke down. But he told him, mommy went out running and she didn't come back. And he's like, are we looking for her? And he's like, the entire world is looking for her. So this is such an emotional time for everyone. And now this little four-year-old knows that his mother is missing. Yeah, I, I can't imagine having to explain to my four-year-old son that no. mom is gone. Right. And you don't know if she's coming back. Yeah. But I mean, you know, in that moment, he did say, like, I promise we're going to bring her back because what else do you say? Right. But, you know, he didn't know if he could keep that promise, actually. Very yeah, scary time. Can't. 
very sad and scary for Keith and everyone, really. Even though the community spent hours and hours of their time physically searching, nothing came of it. And people started tying yellow ribbons around trees and lights on the street, as well as putting up giant missing persons posters of Sherry all over the place to spread awareness and show their support. And police didn't really have anything to go off of. It was almost as if Sherry had just vanished out of thin air. The only physical evidence they had was her phone, which wasn't helpful, and some people even believed it was a little suspicious in the first place. The way the phone was found on the ground seemed as if it was almost staged, because it was just kind of placed in the grass with her headphones, like, on top of it, and it seemed like it was just, like, put there for someone to find. So that Mm. was strange. People immediately were like, "Mm, I don't know, a little fishy. This is the direction we're going in? I don't know what you're thinking, but... Like, yeah. staged? I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. So police went to Sherry's family to learn more about her and try to build a timeline, and they went to local businesses and motels to see if there had been any surveillance footage that could have maybe caught Sherry, but nothing came of that either. So that's when they got into contact with Sherry's previous husband, who lived out of state, and found that he had not seen or heard from Sherry in over six years. So nothing there either. And of course, because, you know, protocol, they had to look into Keith because he was the husband and, you know, the husband being responsible for something like this isn't very far-fetched in the true crime world. But Keith was always very cooperative with police and consented to a polygraph test and actually passed with flying colors. He gave over all of his phone and computer records and he was completely cooperative with police. Also, people who knew Keith defended him on social media for people who thought that he was lying because there were people who were like, "Mm, I don't know, it's probably the husband. You know, like there were definitely still people out there that believed it was weird and that he was weird and stuff like that. There's always something to pick out, you know, like nitpick. Yeah, but I mean, there's always going to be those people. Of course. I mean, this case from start to finish was completely surrounded with rumors and speculation and theories and all this stuff. So this is not out of the ordinary for this case, okay? But so because there was so much speculation around this case, the people who did know Keith defended him and said they knew Keith would never do something like this. Even Sherry's family came forward and said they were fully trusting of Keith and didn't believe for one second that he was capable of something like this. Also, he genuinely seemed like he was losing his mind over this entire situation and was doing everything in his power to get Sherry back. So after nine days, Keith was cleared from being a suspect in the case. And Keith even criticized the police at one point because he thought they weren't doing enough, but they did seem to be doing everything they could. The entire police force was on the ground searching and doing everything they could. They had a ton of tips coming in from the community, and they followed through with all of them. The sheriff's office confirmed that it had served more than 20 search warrants and received about 400 tips. So they were they were putting in the work. Jesus, that's a lot. Yeah, but Sherry had just vanished. Nothing was coming from any of these things. Police were also not entirely calling it a kidnapping. They said they were keeping an open mind and looking through all avenues. They did acknowledge that it could be a kidnapping. However, they also said it could have been a voluntary disappearance, which made Keith angry because, you know, he's losing his mind. 
But eventually, Keith got so frustrated, he got his own team of friends and family together to continue to investigate and search on their own. He had set up like a a meeting room for them in his house, almost as like an investigative headquarters. And he also opened up a GoFundMe account and raised nearly $50,000 to help with hiring private investigators and to fund whatever else they would need in the search. He did end up getting a PI named Cody Salfin to help find Cherry. So he's doing everything he possibly can. And he even hired a psychic because he said at that point he was willing to do anything that might possibly help in finding Sherry, which is usually not a great thing to do in cases like this because many times they're wrong or they just give false hope or they give false information or, you know, it's just not typically advised to do in in a case like this, you know? Yeah, this is woo-woo shit. (laughs) This is woo-woo shit. Stick with the PI. Yeah. Psychics sometimes, like, insert themselves into cases and they're like, they you know, they message the family and they're like, they came to me and they're in the bottom of a lake and like blah blah blah, which is like super damaging and they never really know. So Yeah, it's like, no, Sally, you're just on acid. Yeah. (laughs) You just had a weird dream. (laughs) And, you know, Again, nothing came of it anyway, but in Keith's eyes, it was worth a shot. Police worried that this would disrupt their investigation, like, you know, Keith's side team would invent, would uh, disrupt it, but Keith was still working with them, and since they didn't really have any strong leads, there wasn't much they could do about it. By this time, it had been weeks into Sherry's absence, and a very wealthy entrepreneur was going through the area And he saw all of the missing posters for Sherry and decided to help by putting up an anonymous reward for $50,000 for Sherry's kidnappers for her safe return. This man told the sheriff's office about his plan to do this before he did it, and the police were really hesitant about this idea because they thought this may bring in a lot of new false tips. But he decided he wanted to do it anyway, and he got in touch with Keith through a mutual friend. And even Keith didn't know who this guy was. It was just, like, some random wealthy guy who was like, I want Cherry to come home. Like, like okay, great. Yeah, he's like, awesome. 50K? Make yeah. it a hunch. <laughs> he, well, just wait. So they were going to post this reverse ransom. And that basically just meant that, like, it was for the kidnappers. If they, re- if they return Cherry, no questions asked, they get the money kind of thing. So that's why the police were like, mm, I don't know that I like that, but yeah. But also at this point, like all Keith wants is his wife home. He doesn't really care about anything else. And Keith was obviously happy to have this man donating this money. And he asked him to come out publicly to make a statement about the reward. But the man wanted to stay anonymous. So that's when Cameron Gamble came into the picture. Cameron Gamble is an international kidnap and ransom consultant didn't even know that was a job what do you want to be when you grow up an international kidnap and ransom consultant could you imagine your four-year-old saying (laughs) like okay yeah so cameron gamble is that which basically means he is trained in like negotiation with kidnappers and also he trains people how to avoid capture and also like escape capture it's pretty okay. it's pretty sick. <laughs> okay, yeah, sounds like uh, some CIA shit. Yeah, he was a former Air Force pilot and a senior airman who now makes his living training military, law enforcement, and even private citizens on how to evade and escape capture. 
and he works from an undisclosed location. Of course he fucking does. <laughs> where he has four shipping containers set up to represent different places around the world where people are frequently held hostage. Okay, so he's an eccentric guy. It's a very niche thing, but... Yeah, no shit. He's doing the damn thing. He's like, I'm passionate about this, so I'm gonna make it a thing. And he did. Okay. I'm like, you do you. You know what? Go off, Cameron. Pop off. So when he came into the picture, he asked Keith if he could take a more aggressive approach with this reward money. And that's when he kind of became the face of the search efforts for Sherry. This was around 12 days after Sherry's disappearance, and Cameron Gamble made a video promoting the ransom money. And not only that, but he stated in the video that he didn't care who the kidnappers were. All he wanted was Sherry's Sherry to be returned home, and he also gave them a 100-hour deadline for the reward. So that was a little bit weird, because usually you're not going to give a deadline for kidnappers you're not even in contact with. But they just wanted the quickest possible outcome, and they thought maybe that would do it. So they're like, this is risky, but we're going to test it out. I mean, why not put a time on it? I guess. Like, but it means nothing. But, right, but you know. it's just kind of interesting in my opinion. Um, but to law enforcement, Gamble was more of a nuisance than a help. And they really wanted him to stop, and people were also very skeptical of him. They called him an opportunist because this case was so huge and all over the place in the media, and people thought that he may be using it to promote himself and his services, which I kind of think that that's not really true. Like, that's that's kind of a, ske- a, a stretch, in my opinion, because he was hired by the anonymous donor to, like, be the face, one. And two, what does he have to gain if he's... If he, I guess if he works with private citizens, like, I'm assuming his services are very expensive, you know? Like, who's going to be like, ah, yes, Cameron Gamble, teach me how to evade capture from, like, this random thing? Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't buy that. Also, he had his business and shit set up before this. Yeah, he's it, training, like, military and law enforcement. Like, what? That's yeah, it seems like a... he would be doing something like this anyway. Right. Yeah, so that was kind of far-fetched to me. But, I mean, it's possible, I guess. I mean, maybe some part of him was like, good exposure, but also that'd be kind of dark. Well, I mean, that's maybe one of the thoughts you keep inside. Yeah. Like, this is is a horror, but... (laughs) What a horror. You know what? I'm getting a lot of free ad time. That's true. That is damn true. I don't know. We'll never know, really. But he said he was there for the right reasons because he wanted to get Sherry home to to her family. Yeah, in 100 hours. Yes, in a hundred hours. There were also a ton of weird rumors about this staged kidnapping video that Cameron Gamble had made in the past with a woman who looked a lot like Sherry Papini. So people thought that that was really weird. Uh And they're like, "Mm, maybe this is some other kind of strange thing going on. But that was kind of shut down. He's like, no, it's just a blonde woman. Yeah, no. She's not Sherry Papini. What, they all look the same? Shut the fuck up. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, (laughs) so, you know, even after that, oddly enough, there were rumors about Cameron Gamble's wife starring in a porn video with. (laughs) (laughs) You had to specify? In a porn, you know, is that correct? Porn magazine? No, in a porn. What the fuck does that? In 2016? Come on now. (laughs) With Sherry Papini. What the fuck? (laughs) I was like, this is outlandish. Drum roll, please. 
Cameron Gam- so, Gamble's wife with Sherry Papini in the hallway with the candlestick. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the internet is wilding, I actually, as we all know. <laughs> but this is a step far, even for them. No, that's what right? I'm saying. Yeah, like, even Cameron Gamble had to come out and say that he and his wife had never met Sherry Papini. He's like, literally, guys, stop. <laughs> like, yeah. I've never met the woman. My wife has never met the woman. My wife, although briefly, yeah, they didn't talk. Much. We didn't talk. We just, actually they didn't talk at all. We just did it. You <laughs> <laughs> just stop judging my wife for her past. But like that's how outrageous this case got. Was like people were like, ah, yes, Cameron Gamble's wife fucked Sherry Papini. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Who said that? Guys, you're just bored. <laughs> Aren't something you? like that's goddamn that's ridiculous i know so there were so many rumors surrounding this case because people were just so suspicious of the whole thing that they were like this has to be something insane but cameron stuck to the fact that he was only there to help keith and sherry and you know get her back so on november 23rd the day before thanksgiving he posted a second video online telling sherry's captors that the ransom money was now off the table, but he urged the public to share any information they had to help finding Sherry, and whoever gave them the information that led to her rescue would get a six-figure reward. So the ransom money has now been doubled for a reward, and he's basically calling for bounty hunters. So he said he didn't care about the person's criminal status or if there was even a warrant out for their arrest, if they could lead them to Sherry, he'd give them the money, no questions asked. Damn. Yeah. That's why the police were like, mm, Cameron Gamble, right. can you please fuck off? Like, but Yeah, that's, uh, you know? That's a bit much. But I mean, hey. A little bit risky. Yeah. He's, he's Does swinging Does not big. give a fuck about, except about one thing. Yeah. He said he wanted to make it so tempting, even the kidnapper's mother would turn him in. Fair enough. Yeah. Rat on your family for 200K. 200. You, bu- you bumped it up? Well, then they say they doubled it. They doubled it from fifty. Oh, from fifty. So hundred. Well, they really just said six-figure thing, so it could have been more okay. than a hundred, but maybe I'm assuming it was a hundred. How much would it take for you to turn in your own son? Fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Shit, I'll do it for free, man. Yeah, not, no, you no ride or die. Just <laughs> fifty bucks. Oh, uh, I have no kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone. As one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero not because they have special powers it's because in spite of what they've gone through they keep on going i find them remarkable please listen to chatholic and hear their stories yeah i was like i understand what he's trying to do i don't know if the kid's mom would turn him in for 100k yeah i don't know i think it would probably depend on how shitty of a son he was you know, if he's like destined to go to jail anyway, I'm like, give him the, give him the boot. 
And then get the 100K. <laughs> Damn, the social security is not cutting it. I need, you know. No, like. We if need he, some reward money. Listen, if I'm a mother, and maybe I'm just saying this because I don't have a kid. But if my kid kidnapped a woman and held her captive and I knew about it, I would turn that shit in. Would you not? Would you I not? mean, you have to. That'd be insane. You'd I, I'd to. be like, wow, I love my son, but also fuck my son. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that would be. Uh... Like, what a terrible human. Like, yes, I birthed but, him. Yeah, and, like, also, I, oh, I you also him. raised him. Yeah, like I birthed him and I raised him. And like, I, you know, love him as a mother loves their son. But also, this is a shit human who cap who captured a woman. Give me 100k for that. <laughs> I think I deserve some kind of compensation for my struggles. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that a lot? Is that too much? <laughs> Should I reel it in? <laughs> no, I'm just imagining this mom going on TV to like give all that pretext and then make it about herself. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is I deserve I compensation. Want money. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, the next day was November 24th, which was also Thanksgiving morning. And Keith had plans to release balloons with the community to help raise awareness about Sherry's disappearance. But at around 4 a.m. that morning, a woman named Allison Sutton was driving down the highway with her daughter. The two of them had already been traveling for about eight hours to make it to their family's house for Thanksgiving. But on their drive, they happened to see this woman on the side of the road. She was frantically waving a shirt and standing extremely close to the oncoming traffic. And Allison could tell this woman was very panicked and thought she most likely needed help because of how close she was to the oncoming traffic. She thought, you know, if this woman is willing to get hit by a car, she is probably in very desperate need of help. But because Allison had her daughter in the car with her, she didn't end up stopping for this woman, but she did pull off the road and call 911 to tell them what she had seen. Sure enough, when the police got there, it was Sherry Papini. <laughs> it was... Some random woman. Right. Yeah, some crazy lady waving a shirt. No, it was Sherry Papini. And she I was... would actually love for you to write one of those in. Be like, actually, <laughs> this isn't part of the story. It has nothing to do with the story. Um, no, <laughs> she was about 150 miles from home, and it had been 22 days since she had gone missing. Police found her covered in bruises, dry blood, and she had been chained up, and she had a chain around her waist that connected to her wrists and zip ties around her ankles with hose clamps. She was extremely underdressed for it being so cold outside, and on top of that, she had lost 15% of her body weight. She weighed only 87 pounds at the time she was found. Oh my god. Police found security camera footage from a local church where they saw Sherry running around frantically t trying to flag someone down. She had run up to the church, she ran up to another building as well as a house before she went back down to the road to try to get someone to stop for her. And she later said she thought people weren't stopping for her because she had chains around her wrists, so people would think she had escaped from prison. So she tried to like tuck the chains into her shirt or something so people wouldn't see it and be as scared of her. At least that's what she said. And she was rushed to a nearby hospital to be looked at. She didn't have any serious injuries. She said at one point she had hurt her foot, but it was fine after they looked at it. But she did have a bit of a broken nose. Her The bridge of her nose was like slightly broken. However, she was covered in bruises. And the bruises on her body were all at different stages of healing, which meant that she had been beaten repeatedly throughout her time in captivity. 
It also looked as if she had been bound for a long time. She had deep gashes into her neck and marks on her wrists from where she had been bound. Her long blonde hair had also been cut into a short choppy bob and it was all chunky. And she had also been branded on her shoulder, like burned. It's unknown what it says, but it was on her right shoulder. So Thanksgiving morning, Keith woke up very early as he was, you know, preparing to go to this balloon release and he was shaving as the phone rang and he had missed the call. But when he looked down at his cell phone, it was a number he didn't have saved. But immediately after that, his home phone rang. And when he picked it up, he heard Sherry screaming his name in the background as a police officer on the line told him that he he needed to come down to the hospital. Now, this was obviously very jarring, very exciting for him because he now knows that his wife at the very least is alive, but also scary to hear that your wife is screaming your name in the background. But he did get to talk to, to briefly talk to her on the phone and they had like a, you know, an emotional moment and he immediately jumped in the, into the car and drove to the hospital where she was being held. When he got there, an officer kind of braced him and told him that he needed to prepare himself for the state that Sherry was in because she wasn't looking very good. So he goes in and of course, it's an extremely overwhelming moment because he was very excited to see her and so happy that she was alive, but she was in very rough condition and he was sick at the thought of someone hurting his wife. And they had a very emotional reunion, hugging and he said he hugged her for like 20 minutes. Of course, they took DNA samples from Sherry and they found a woman's DNA on her body as well as a man's DNA on her clothes. And soon enough, it was announced to the public that Sherry had been found. Everyone was super relieved and they did, and they did still have the balloon release, but instead of using it to spread awareness, it was more in celebration that Sherry had come home. And even though Sherry was found, it would still be months until she could recall what had happened to her and she'd be able to give a full statement to police. But over the next few weeks, Sherry was able to give police details about her kidnapping and then finally was able to recall the full story. And this isn't very strange because, you know, trauma is a very powerful thing and a lot of the time people do forget things. So it isn't initially a red flag. Right. I mean, we just talked about Brittany Marcel. Yeah. Right? I mean, her case was completely different, but the same thing happened. Yeah, yeah. It makes you forget trauma. But so the day she went missing, she said she had been running down the road when all of a sudden her vision was obstructed. Someone had put a bag over her head and she had been pulled into a car. She described her kidnappers as two Hispanic women driving a dark colored SUV and they had a handgun. She said one of them had big hoop earrings and thin, almost drawn in eyebrows and curly hair pulled back into a bun. And the other had thick, bushy eyebrows and straight hair. She said they kept their faces covered by bandanas the entire time, so she never saw their entire faces. And also, they spoke mostly in Spanish, so she didn't really know what was going on at any given moment. She said one of the women was about 20 to 30 years old, and the other was maybe 40 to 50. Police said that over the three weeks she was gone, Sherry had been kept in a small closet, and during that time, she was treated very badly and was tortured by these women. She was beaten, kept in chains at all times, and it was during these beatings that she had her hair cut off and her nose broken and she was branded. Sherry mentioned hearing them talking about a buyer and getting paid for the kidnappings. She also said they played mariachi music all the time, which is just another strange thing. 
She said while she was in captivity, she missed her children so much she would ball up a piece of cloth and hold it as if she were rocking her two-year-old daughter. Sherry had told police officers that the day they had let her go, meaning the kidnappers, she had heard these two women arguing, and then in the other room she heard a gunshot. And after that, one of the women came into the room and took her into the car before dumping her on County Road 17 in Yolo County. At that point, she still had a bag on her head, but she said she managed to get it off and she got herself up off the side of the road and she just started running. And that's, you know, soon after that was when Cherry was found. I don't know. This is so strange. Yeah. And really the main reason I think it's strange is because it's two women. That's, like, I don't, yeah, that's fair. This motive is very strange mm-hmm. and like deeply sinister. Like the only reason they wanted to kidnap her was to literally torture her. And then they have this change of heart and just One let her go. One of them shoots the partner. This is strange it is um keith was obviously so happy to have sherry home and she had a very emotional reunion with her kids and her family was absolutely ecstatic to be together again but the public on the other hand had a lot of questions for sherry and rumors began flying again yeah the whole time from the beginning there were rumors that keith had been involved in sherry's kidnapping in one way or another or that the entire thing had been a hoax set up by the two of them but the police believed Sherry and were concerned with finding these kidnappers. They put out a formal warning to the public to watch out for possible abductors, and it took a whole year for Sherry to give enough information about her kidnappers to have a sketch made up. So once this you know, sketch was made up, they put it out to the public, and they're like, watch out for these two women because there are people in the area who haven't been found who have been kidnapping people, or at least one, you know? Right. But they also said, you know, we're in California to Hispanic women driving a SUV is like finding a needle in a haystack, you know? True. They're like, you really, there's no telling who could be. I mean, did they have any other identifying no. things about them? Nope. That's I mean, it. she gave a description, right? They have a picture. It's not like two random Hispanic women. One of them doesn't have eyebrows, she, right? Well, no, she said... Mo- their faces were mostly were covered with bandanas the entire time so she only has from the eyes up damn yeah yeah good fucking luck right and there were a lot of theories as to what the motive behind this kidnapping was right that's what i'm most confused about yeah some people thought it could have been sex trafficking because of the branding that happens sometimes in trafficking cases however kidnapping experts didn't believe that to be the case because her hair had been cut up and she had bruises all over her face and her body. And, you know, if someone's trying to sell a person like that, usually they want them to look as good as possible. And it just didn't line up with, like, you know, other trafficking cases. There were a lot of sex offenders in the area, and they had over 20 search warrants, and they followed through with all of them. But nothing came of that either. They checked people's cell phone records, their bank accounts, their social media, but again, nothing. So even though Sherry's found, the police are still putting in the hours. They're like, we're really going to try to find these kidnappers. And almost a year after everything had happened, the police had released more information to the public about Sherry's abduction. Sherry, to this day, has never spoken publicly about her abduction and only ever talked to the police. And as the police released more evidence... The case got more and more confusing and people had even more questions because, you know, at this point, the police had just 
released the information about the DNA that had been found on Sherry's body. The fact that, you know, it was a woman's DNA and a man's DNA. And people were like, why was there a male DNA on her? Why was there male DNA found on her body when she said her abductors were two females? I don't know. Maybe she got confused while she was getting the shit beat out of her. Maybe. I don't know. Authorities collected the woman's DNA from Sherry's body while the man's DNA was found on her clothes that she was wearing when she was found. Okay, but who are these people? We have a we have a DNA. Is there no match? Not yet. Then it came out that before any of this had happened, Sherry had been in a texting relationship with another man from Detroit, Michigan, and they had conducted 12 search warrants on this man. When that came out, people were like, who is this man and why did the police come out with this information in the first place? Because, you know, the, they already, the police knew that there were rumors surrounding this entire case and theories and, you know, people didn't believe that she was kidnapped. So why are they putting out that Sherry had a relationship with this man? Very weird. So apparently... Wait, she, they're putting it out like they released a year it. or two after? Yeah. And Sherry apparently had known this man for years and they had started texting again around the time of her disappearance and had been regularly talking up until she had gone missing. Police didn't explain whether or not the relationship was romantic, but they did say she wanted to meet up with him only days before she disappeared. He was coming to California for business. Business. Okay. He was in California at the time of her disappearance, but told investigators they never met, though they had spent a weekend together in 2011. This is strange. The kidnapping happened in 2016. So he's like, we never saw each other, but we did have an affair like one weekend years ago. Okay, so... But investigators later determined he wasn't involved in her disappearance. So this this Detroit man is out of the picture. How sure are we about that? The investigator said he's not a suspect or like anything. So. Okay. In 2003, the Sacramento Bee had come out with an article revealing that Sherry allegedly had been harming herself and blaming her mother for her injuries, which is a very weird thing to come out with. But Loretta Grafe, Sherry Papini's mother, in December of 20, 2003 had apparently reported to authorities to ask for help with her daughter who had alleged that she had been hurting herself and blaming the injuries on her mother. Her father also had come out and said that Sherry had broken into their house on one occasion and although nothing was stolen, it was vandalized. So this is all very weird. And the fact that this like news outlet came out with this article was like very kind of gross in my opinion, but also like it it was... I guess their way of showing her character or just the fact that she has mental health problems. Yeah, I'm trying to piece all this together. This is just so many things that don't fit. Yes, this case is very controversial and just very confusing. All over the map. Yeah, Sherry, Sherry Papini's family in a statement, meaning I think her and Keith, said that the B story was shameful and like it was not okay to post that, which I'm like, that's kind of fair. But anyway, rumors spiraled about Cherry Papini, who she was as a person, and if this entire thing was a hoax. There were entire Reddit threads where people picked apart the case and believed that both Sherry and Keith staged this kidnapping as a way to get on some kind of reality show, which wouldn't make a ton of sense considering they were incredibly private people before this. And also, why are people trying to stage elaborate like crimes to get on a reality show? Because that was also yeah. that was also in um, Mike and Dahlia DiPolito case, five thousand right. percent. And I mean, it wasn't 
really true the fact that she was trying to do it for a reality tv show but she said she was so i just thought it was interesting that another case was like ah yes they were trying to get on a reality tv show but it just doesn't really make any sense and also yeah i mean these were the porn people okay how much are (laughs) we trusting these people fair that's very fair um Ken Ryan, who is a law enforcement expert who has worked in the industry for 25 years and now teaches criminology at California State University, publicly said he doesn't believe Sherry was actually kidnapped. I don't know, man. Well, I'd like to hear why he thinks that, but why would you have like layered bruising, broken nose... It would a be brand pretty crazy, huh? And lose 15% of your body weight and also leave your children and husband? Yeah, that for would. For how long? That like would months? 22 days. 22 days? Mm-hmm. Three weeks? A month, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the kidnapping motive is weird. The fact that they just let her go is weird. Two women. Two women is weird. Mm-hmm. Well, Ken Ryan said that he was amazed by the coincidences and finds it very hard to believe that in a case like this, where, you know, the perpetrators are torturing the, you know, their victim, that it would be two women, and that they'd be able to just get away with this kind of crime. He said in his 25 years, he had never seen a case like this where someone was kidnapped, held captive for 20-something days, and then just released. None of it makes sense. Lead investigator Brian Jackson said, once we had the DNA, I knew we'd be able to find something. I just kept telling our guys and our ladies, be patient, it's going to happen, and we just kept pushing on her case, and he was proved right. In 2019, the case completely shifted when they finally found a familial match for the DNA of the man that was found on her clothing. And this DNA was found on her underwear and her track pants, by the way. The DNA was linked to the family of Sherry Papini's ex-boyfriend, 37-year-old James Reyes. They had gotten the familial match through family members of his who had signed up for a commercial DNA testing site, like 23andMe or or Ancestry.com. So they use the thing where they're like, we're running all of our DNA through this like database that links familial DNA, which is super cool and like new technology. And then the police confirmed that he was their guy after getting a match from a used honest honey green tea bottle that they got out of his garbage outside of his house. This is so wild to me that you can just drink something and then be incriminated. Yep. In August of 2020, when she was interviewed by by federal agent and a Shasta County Sheriff's detective, they showed her evidence indicating she had not been abducted and warned her that if the crime was a lie and she was lying to a federal agent, she could get in a lot of trouble. But still, she maintained her story. In August of 2020, police interviewed ex-boyfriend James Reyes, and he admitted to helping Papini run away. On March 3rd, 2022, okay? So what day is it today? It's like March 11th. Yeah, it is like March. Yeah, it is March 11th, the day we're recording. So on March 3rd, 2022, Sherry Papini was arrested by the FBI. She was accused of lying to federal agents faking her kidnapping to spend time with her ex-boyfriend away from her husband and her family. Okay. Why'd you do that? 
But last week, the FBI announced they had arrested the mom of two for fraud and making false statements, saying that she was far from being a, a kidnapped victim. She had left her home voluntarily and spent weeks of her disappearance hiding in, boyfriend, in her boyfriend's Costa Mesa, California apartment. His home is on a remote country lane in the Sonoran Desert, approximately 10 miles from the dusty border town of 20,000 people. So, remote. And she was staying with him nearly 600 miles away from her house in Southern California, and he and she hurt herself to back up her false statements. Reyes, wow. yeah, fucked up. Isn't that insane? I got a lot to say about this, but continue. Okay, Reyes... We'll save it for the end. Sure. Reyes had dated Papini in 2006 and reconnected with her in December of 2015. Okay, stop there. Mm-hmm. Number one... Why were they not looking into all of her exes? Number two, did they have records of communication? Email, phone. Why did they not pick up on that? I don't know. She got kidnapped in 2016, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They had contact in 2015? Yep. Maybe it was on a different device. Maybe it was on... How do you miss that, though? I don't know. And so she told James Reyes that her husband, Keith, was abusive and she needed to escape. So he helped her. He helped her escape because that's what she said. And he watched her change her appearance and also brand, he branded her with, uh, he branded her shoulder with a wood burning tool that he purchased at Hobby Lobby because she asked him to. I'm, I'm, I'm like a bobblehead right now. I, I know. know. I'm just reacting in right. shock. Yeah. So according police to police records, the man wasn't sure of Papini's intentions during her stay with him, but he believed they might end up in a romantic relationship again. So he was thinking about his dick the whole time. Yeah, right. And the former boyfriend told investigators that Papini stayed with him at his house during the time she was gone and said she had asked him to come to Reading to pick her up, though he said they never had sex. So who knows if that's actually true, but... She said, come pick me up. I'm going to stay with you. And then, you know, I think she said, oh, I miss my kids. And then she was like, actually, I have to go home. And she like beat herself and branded herself and cut up her hair and broke her own nose and then had him drop her back off. Right. And he didn't say anything for three years, five years. I'm sure he was scared. Of what? The fact that she said she was kidnapped and there was this whole big gigantic story surrounding it. It's intimidating uh, at the very least, no? Why wouldn't you say anything? I don't know. I, I mean, I I can appreciate the gravity of the situation, mm-hmm. but I would be scared she'd turn it back on you. I mean, Right, like, that, oh, that may have been what she was scared of. Because you don't have any other witnesses, right? Like, yeah. Oh, I was actually at his house for three weeks. Yeah. Well, how he, did these bruises get here? He did actually you know have I mean? witnesses, so we're gonna we're gonna get oh, into that. Shit. So his account was verified when authorities tracked the locations of the two the two of their prepaid cell phones. So they had like burner phones. Burner phones. Yeah, and they had been using them to secretly talk to one another as early as December of 2015, according to a 55 page affidavit filed in court to support the criminal charges. So they had burners, but. A cousin of the former boyfriend told investigators that he saw Papini in the man's apartment twice, both times unrestrained. And about three weeks later, records backed the ex-boyfriend's story that he rented a car and drove Papini back to Northern California. So everything's lining up. There's not a single piece that hasn't fallen into place. On Monday, his uncle... So, like, literally on Monday, like this week, he... Oh, like March 4th? Yeah, like on Monday. Oh, my God. 
his uncle, Robert Duty. Okay. Brother. Walk past that one. <laughs> we'll just come on now. Skate on by. Uh, who lived in the same Costa Mesa apartment complex, told the New York Post that he spoke to the FBI and hired a lawyer after Papini returned home. Duty said he didn't say anything about exactly what happened, but he said, I got myself into a real dinger by helping this girl. <laughs> a real humdinger of a situation. Wait, where is he from? Costa Mesa, California. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm just thinking of Got myself in a real dinger it here. Does, it does seem like that, brother. It does seem like a southern accent okay, kind of well, thing. But anyway. What a, what a phrase. Yeah. So Justin Reyes worked in a skate shop while living in Costa Mesa and had never been in trouble, his uncle said, and is the sort of person who would help anyone. So it seems to me that he may have just gotten mixed up in a really shitty situation. Yeah. Like he got mixed up with a crazy lady. Yeah. Sherry Papini was released from jail on tuesday march 8th 2022 on a $120,000 bond that's steep she was met outside the sacramento county jail by her mom and her sister and is due back in court on march 25th so like literally it hasn't even happened yet wow it's two days after my birth oh yeah geez maybe we should drop by the courthouse and say hey you know where i want to be on my birthday yeah, right <laughs> under the conditions of her release U.S. Magistrate Judge Jeremy Peterson ruled that Sherry can only travel within one part of California and she must surrender her passport and has to undergo psychiatric treatment. Prosecutors now claim Papini copied the plot of the popular crime movie and novel Gone Girl by seeking shelter with her ex-boyfriend. So we got another Gone Girl happening. Jesus Christ. How many Gone Girls are there? I hope not many. Yeah. But usually I would say one is too many. Yeah. So her fake abduction claims cost the public more than $230,000 and police time that could have been employed solving actual crimes. So that sucks. And in a cautious estimate last week, Shasta County Sheriff Michael Johnson said Sherry cost public safety in excess of $150,000 in resources to investigate her knowingly false claims and staged abduction. Not only did she waste a shit ton of money, but her claims about her kidnapping were incredibly damaging to the Latino community and straight up racist, by the way. Can we talk about that? So she said she was abducted by two Hispanic women who spoke only Spanish, pretty much, played mariachi music, fed her mostly tortillas and rice, and reinforced a number of racist stereotypes and the anti-Latino rhetoric that has fueled racial division across the United States in recent years. Papini's description of the alleged abductors aligned with the tropes of Mexican women in, in which hoop earrings and bandanas are linked to the proximity to gang culture. So that's super damaging and is just shitty all around. But, you know, it's kind of the, the Karen effect, if you will. I don't know. Like, she's not well. No, she's very unwell. You know? But I mean, in an article I was reading, it kind of um, compared this situation to that video of a woman in a park who, like, called the police on a black man who was watching birds. He was, like, literally bird watching, and she called the police. And she was like, a black man is, like, scaring me. And, like, that's super, like, problematic. Yeah, and so great. Many... Right. So don't it's kind of like, it's like the Karen effect kind of thing. Where she was I like, ah, oh, like this Hispanic person or this Latino woman was like, you know, had the hoops and the scary eyebrows. And like, like what? Like, that's just. I don't know. I get that it's racist, but 
I don't think this is like a Karen effect. This is like mental illness. Well, 100% it's mental illness, but it, it the point is she's just like really using the like damaging stereotypes of like dangerous, the idea yeah. of like a oh. dangerous gang related yeah, Latino person. Yeah. That's damaging is all I'm trying to say. But anyway, federal prosecutors in a 55 page criminal complaint against Papini also detailed how Sherry and her husband spent $11,000 of the $49,000 raised to quote-unquote bring her home from the GoFundMe to pay off their credit cards. So, not a good look. I mean, you know, if you had to, like, if this were real, if she'd actually been kidnapped mm-hmm. and beaten, then I would support that. Nobody would care. But Nobody she, would care. But like, all right, yeah, clear it off. Like, Sure. Help but, yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. But, no, she's a fuck? shitty person who's, I mean clearly suffering i guess mentally but that's i don't know i i really wonder if she has some i don't i don't know i don't want to put like a specific disease on it diagnosis on it but like something where this is like obviously mentally not well yeah um she's a what's it called something liar compulsive she's a compulsive liar and actually one of her um ex-boyfriends another ex-boyfriend came forward and was like sherry papini is a compulsive liar and he said when he saw the news of her being kidnapped, like, coming out, he said, she's alive and well. Like, she's, this is fake. Like, wow. I mean, and, you know, that's that's a pretty extreme thing to say. But he said that that was his, like, first thought was, like, she's lying. Wow. Imagine calling in and saying that. Right. So it's not. How well received that would have been. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I'm going to put a big, a big allegedly. Can I say that now? Does that make any does yeah. that save me in any way of being like allegedly she's a compulsive liar? I don't know. But hey, these are just facts. These We're are not, not putting facts. a judgment. <laughs> these are alleged. I don't well, know. Well, they these people said this. Yes, right? that's those true. are facts. That yes, that's true. Um, so We're anyway, just here. right? She also was reimbursed more than thirty thousand dollars by the California Victims Compensation Board based on a false story, and included money for visits to her therapy for treatment for anxiety and PTSD, according to a court filing, and for the ambulance ride to the hospital after she surfaced near Sacramento. And so she's been charged with making a false statement to law enforcement officer mail fraud and fraudulently claiming more than $30,000 from California victim compensation between 2017 and 2021. And if convicted of making false statements, Pepini could face up to five years in prison and a fine up to $250,000. And if convicted of mail fraud, she faces a maximum of 20 years in prison and a fine up to another $250,000. For mail fraud? Yeah. She gets more prison time for mail fraud. Isn't that insane? I was like, what? But also, like, good, kind of? I don't know. What What would she, like, what did she do that was mail fraud? It had something to do with her $30,000 by the California Victim Compensation Board. Like, it was something to do with the fact that something where she, like, tried to get a reimbursement or something. Like, she was committing mail fraud and that it wasn't actually true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sheriff Johnson wrote in a statement on Facebook... Not only did this charade take valuable resources away from real criminal investigative matters, but in a time where there is serious human trafficking cases with legitimate victims, Sherry Papini used this tragic societal phenomenon to gain notoriety and financial gain. A press release by the Department of Justice said, ultimately, the investigation revealed that there was no kidnapping. And that time and resources that could have been used to investigate actual crime, protect the community, and provide resources to victims were wasted on the defendant's conduct. 
Sheriff Johnson also recently said that other charges against people close to her may be looming and that she did not pull it off on her own. Oh, God. So there is definitely more information coming, but I couldn't help myself. I had to tell it now. We'll definitely just give updates, but like, I couldn't wait, you know? It, it was insane. But so he also said, I have zero sympathy for Sherry Papini. I do, however, have compassion for her husband, the kids, and her other family members that were duped and unknowingly victimized by what she was doing. So that kind of says something to me in that it's like maybe the people around her that potentially helped her isn't actually her husband. At least I would like to believe that because Keith did seem very genuine in all of his interviews and his search effort and after the fact even when he gave the interview to 2020 like i really hope it's not keith you know it doesn't seem like it it doesn't seem like it like i don't think he would have told his children as right you know yeah that's true and yeah i don't like i don't know why you would be allowing your wife to go hang out with your ex-boyfriend like that doesn't doesn't really make sense doesn't track right so at the end of the day fbi sacramento field office says that we are relieved that the community is not endangered by unknown violent kidnappers so yeah that's that on that that's all the information i have on the currently unfolding sherry papini case i will give updates or we'll do like an an entire like part two at some point like potentially depending on how much information does actually come out but yeah, isn't that insane? Uh, yeah, you had me. I know, I for saw. the first half. What is Keith doing now? Like, are they still married? I don't know. This happened like days Nobody ago. Nobody knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, it happened days ago, but the kidnapping happened five years ago. Oh, they were like, together. They remain they were, married? Yeah, they were, they were together. They were like working toward a better life and they moved to an undisclosed location and they were, you know, she was getting therapy and all this stuff and it just came out that it was fake. Damn. I can't imagine. So he's going through it right now. Yeah, I can't imagine what that man is going through right now. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Like I know. Literally, probably didn't eat or sleep at all. In mental, I mean, how do you ever come back from that? Like your wife is just snatched off the street. Like, can you ever trust leaving her again? Like, I can't imagine how much he should have to work through. Like, is he in therapy? Like, he should be in therapy. Yeah, I was actually thinking to myself. Oh, sorry, what? Go ahead. I was actually thinking to myself, who's the survivor? <laughs> Since this is fake, you know? But I think it's, I I think it's Keith and her and her kids and her yeah. her family. I think the that the ones that, who weren't in on it. Yeah, right. But ugh, I I can't even believe like how fucked up in the head do you have to be to do something like this to everyone? Like your husband, your children, your family. And and not only did you like run away, which is like bad enough, you know? But you staged a kidnapping and then beat yourself and branded yourself and broke your own nose and literally traumatized everyone around you for this, like, ruse. Like, what? Like, I don't understand. I don't get how any person... I mean, she's clearly not a sane person because no sane person would do that. Yeah. I don't know. This is good that you... (laughs) <laughs> don't find it a viable option. Right. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to worry about it. I'm not going to do this. I don't know. I hope her kids barely remember it. Because yeah, I mean, they are so they were young. two and four. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the four-year-old's going to remember it at least a little bit. Yeah. And now they're, what, got to be almost 10, like nine. And now 
all this shit is coming out. Yeah, and that's like, bad. And they, you're they, 10, the police, you're gonna remember that. Yeah, and the police arrested Sherry like in front of her kids. It was like a oh, whole thing, and like fuck. Sherry was like upset, and her family was upset that the police like arrested her in like this big dramatic way in front of her kids. Like they were like, "Why did you have to do that? You could have like waited until her kids weren't around." Yeah. Which does suck. That yeah, definitely that's is not, that's damaging. That's not right. Yeah. The other one, yeah, for the Brittany Marcel case, I remember that they arrested Justin Hansen. In front of his kids. In front of his kids. It's yeah. like, guys. And the other, the fucked up thing about that was, though, was that they followed him to other places where they could yeah. have arrested him. Right. And they waited until he was with his kids. I mean, probably maybe man. not knowingly or like on purpose per se but the fact that her yeah. his kids were there is like you could have just waited like yeah. an hour you know like not a good move yeah not not the best look but you know it is what it is anyway what's your good thing oh i don't know if i was done talking about oh, this i'm sorry keep going um yeah I don't, I don't know like i had a, i don't know how it took this long to come up with that conclusion what that it was fake the police obviously knew the answer was in the DNA, but I think the fact that there were a couple of really sketchy things like the phone and things like that, and also her story wasn't entirely lining up, and it was like, it was two women, and they just let her go, and like everything was just very weird. And the fact that she said it was two women and they found a man's DNA. They found one woman DNA and a man's DNA. So they were like, I think the key is the man's DNA here. And so they, they did the familial DNA and they knew that that was what it was. And then they, they found him. Yeah. So like he, it took years. Yes. Because of all the like slow, like things, the hoops they had to jump through. But they, I think this, I think the lead investigator on this case was very suspicious. I think that is proven in the fact that he released the information very early on about the fact that she was texting with this man in Detroit. And, you know, that panned out and he's, you know, not involved and that's fine. He hadn't actually seen her. Oh, but, but did um, Keith stay with her despite that? I don't know if he knew about it. Well, he knew about it once he released it. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't know. That that's They're very private people as far as everyone has said. I mean, I would be too. Yeah. No, no I mean, I can't blame how him, could you not God, be? I want to know. Yeah, it must be a I'll... very difficult thing. But I mean, people do that. People people can work through stuff like that, especially when there's like kids involved, as shitty as it is. Like, you don't know. Mm -mm. I don't know. But yeah, I'm out. Fair. Sorry. And no, that's Goodbye. fair. <laughs> that's very See ya. fair. Yeah, are, it's you, enough. are you done? Sorry. Um, that's very fair. But uh, I don't know. They were together. So here's the other thing. He they said that they never hooked up. That the, while they were there, Justin yet. Reyes. Yes. Yeah. Yet his DNA was found on her panties. Why would you say panties? Well, uh, underwear? underwear. I don't know. <laughs> yes, the panty. Like I don't the know. The panty. The, the word that was the word that you used. I said underwear. You said under. Well, whatever. The point remains. <laughs> I don't think I. You'll never catch me Shut saying the panties. Fuck up. <laughs> her panties. Not the. I panties. don't know. Anyway, yes, his DNA <laughs> was found on her underwear. So that is weird. But I feel like at that point, why would he lie about that? Because what would that like nothing would change i don't know it's interesting. i guess nothing would change but yeah. like i don't know maybe there's more to the story then there's definitely more to the story we just don't know it yet 
I'm sorry is I can't give you. co-conspirator? I'm know, sorry I can't give you all the information. No, I mean, from what I've read, and this is all very early stages, obviously, it only broke a couple days ago, but from what I've read of Justin Reyes and, like, what he said, it seems as if he thought he was doing a good thing. It seems like she just told him, you know, they reconnected and she told him, my husband's abusive for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know if that's true. From what it seems like, Keith is a very good and loving man by all accounts so there's no proof of that as of right now it seems like she just wanted to kind of get away for whatever reason and she gave him the best reason she thought she could use to get away and he would come pick her up so i think she manipulated everyone truly all right i'm done you're done now fair okay i have so many more questions but i mean don't we all don't we there's so many things man i know but anyway that's all we have for right now What's your good thing? My good thing is nerdy, but at work, the thing that I've been working toward for six months just happened. So, like literally a couple hours ago. Yeah. That's sick. So, that's so uh, much That's work. fun, but essentially what has happened is that data has automatically flowed from one place to another. You're not going to try and to explain your coding on the podcast, are no, you? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. But do you understand? That's like what it comes down sure. to. But it took six months to do that. Yeah. So. You did amazing. I'm pretty happy about it. Hell it's yeah. It's just kind of a thing of beauty. Yeah. You know, just seeing those things happen on the on the zeros and ones. Your hard work you know? pay off. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, my good thing is far less exciting, but still good to me. I bought a bike. <laughs> oh, yeah. A Schwinn. It's not a Schwinn. Oh. It was going to be a Schwinn. I had a whole bike scenario. We don't have to get into it. I accidentally <laughs> bought three, bu- not accidentally. I bought a bike, hated the bike. Then I returned the bike. I had to get a different bike. That one got canceled. No bike. Third bike. I've now bought three bikes, technically, kind of. And this one is finally coming and it will be here in a couple days. So we have to build it. Hopefully we can build it and I don't die. But I also bought stickers for my bike and for my helmet because Mm -hmm. I think that's fun. It's fun. It is fun. Anyway, that's my good things. And you bought three bike locks. So many bike locks. Listen, I live in Los Angeles, man. I watched a video that was like, if you don't have three bike locks, you're going to get your bike stolen. And I was like, okay, I bought three bike locks. So we're going to try it out. I don't want my shit stolen. Yeah, you got to keep it locked. Although yeah. carrying that around is going to be fun. Yeah, they're heavy. Anyway, it's fine. They're like basically kettlebells. They are. They're very you know? heavy. I'm going to be ripped. <laughs> I'm going into my Hulk era. Okay. Okay. I'm into it. Good. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, sorry, this is an entirely finished story but hey isn't that kind of exciting you know what you'll like it yeah anyway yeah yeah if you'd like to check out all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about check us out on instagram at not today underscore podcast check us out on patreon for more exclusive episodes and content at patreon.com slash not today podcast if you or anyone you know has a story of survival or any kind of crazy story at all that you'd like to share with me send it to no today podcast at gmail.com we have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.